uh, uh, we move now to uh, order uh, order number 18, and the chair will recognize uh, the deputy uh, leader of the opposition, uh, MP E.D. Burt. You have the floor. Um, good afternoon, Mr. Speaker. Good afternoon. Uh, Mr. Speaker, um, I rise to move uh, the following motion, notice which was given on the 13th of March, 2015. Be it resolved that this honorable house does not support the sole sourcing of a developer and concessionaire for the proposed new terminal at the Ellis Wade International Airport. And further, we recommend that the project be sub subject to a public RFP process. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, the redevelopment at the L.F. Wade International Airport will most likely be one of the most important projects in this country's history. In that, Mr. Speaker, what is most important is that the median people get the best deal possible. There can be absolutely no assurance that anyone in the government, especially the Minister of Finance, can give to the people of this country that this is the best deal that Bermuda can get. Because it's very simple, Mr. Speaker. He does not know. And why does he not know, Mr. Speaker? He doesn't know, Mr. Speaker, because he's only gone to one person and gotten one price. And the documents which have been revealed this week even add more force to that argument, Mr. Speaker, that this deal was a done deal from the beginning. Now, Mr. Speaker, to the motion, it says we do not support the sole sourcing of a developer and concessionaire. Let us start there. Why do we not support the sole sourcing, Mr. Speaker? Well, the very first instance should be that it is not in keeping with good governance. In our financial instructions, we have a requirement for pretenders in what I'm assuming is the draft procurement code of conduct, because we haven't seen the actual procurement code of conduct. We know that there is a requirement, I'm assuming, that it will be just like financial instructions, where we have to have three quotes, and even in Her Majesty's Treasury's Green Book, which the United Kingdom has said that we must abide by even if the government goes with a negotiated solution, which they are attempting to do right now, they still need to get alternate quotes from other vendors. That, Mr. Speaker, is the very basis of what we should be doing to ensure that the country gets the best deal possible. We've heard the Minister of Finance in the past say that the RFP process is about establishing value for money. Yes, Mr. Speaker, it is. But it's also making sure that we get the best deal. Why is that important, Mr. Speaker? It is important because of the amount of money that we are talking about. Right now, this year, the L.F. Wade International Airport, combined with departure tax and the money that, the monies that come in at the airport via all the various fees, bring in $35.2 million in revenue, Mr. Speaker. I will say that again, $35.2 million of revenue. That's currently what the airport is bringing in, Mr. Speaker. Now, when you look at it on a profit basis, that is an extraordinary amount of profit that the airport is making, Mr. Speaker, on an annual basis. Because, Mr. Speaker, the expenses of the airport are nowhere near $35.2 million. So, now we have a hugely profitable airport. And uh, before, let me just preempt, because the Minister of Finance often says, oh, well, you can't look at it that way because departure tax goes with consolidated fund. Well, here's the thing, Mr. Speaker. Every dime that comes from the government goes with a consolidated fund. So, in that case, 
When the army minister says, oh, it's in this part of money, it's not in this part of money, nonsense. $35.2 million of revenue on an annual basis. Now, Mr. Speaker, if we were to assume that that level stayed constant for the next 35 years, we are talking about $1.23 billion, with a B, dollars, Mr. Speaker. If that figure had an annual inflation rate of 3%, which is not extraordinary, Mr. Speaker, if that figure had an annual inflation rate of 3%, we are talking about a figure over the next 35 years of $2.1 billion, Mr. Speaker, higher than the national debt of this country right now. Even if a competitive process could save this country 50 or 100 or even $10 million, Mr. Speaker, one would think that it is worth it. So the very fact that this government does not feel the need to engage in a competitive process, the very fact that this minister has ruled out going to RFP, having a competitive process, making sure the government gets the best deal, should cast this entire affair into a bad light. And as other members have said, Mr. Speaker, we must ask why. Mr. Speaker, an RFP is important because we get a variety of individuals who will submit a variety of ideas that can be evaluated competitively against each other. We've heard that the bridge, the causeway, was originally supposed to be part of the deal. But the people at AECON said, no, we can't put it as part of our deal. So now it is off the table. How do we know, Mr. Speaker, that if we would not go out to a public process, even, even as simple, if we didn't even want to go to an RFP, Mr. Speaker, what about a simple expression of interest to find out who would be willing to develop our airport? Not a word, Mr. Speaker. To the, to the amazement of what I must guess everyone in this country, we've heard the Minister of Finance this week say that International investors and people who build airports for a living should have listened to his 2014 budget statement where he said that he intended to redevelop the airport and assume that the government, a government that has financial instructions enshrined in the very essence of what we do, the international community was to assume that they should go directly to him. Not wait for the RFP. Not wait for the expression of interest. When was the last time when there was a contract this big without an RFP? $2 billion, Mr. Speaker. Now we're talking about 35 years. Think about that, Mr. Speaker. Simple. It is not beyond the imagination of a 3% inflation rate. It is not beyond the imagination, Mr. Speaker. Yes, Senator, it's misleading the House by implying that this contract is a $2 billion contract. That figure exists nowhere other than in his imagination. I thank you, Honorable Member. I thank the Everybody. Honorable Minister of Finance because, Mr. Speaker, I did not imply that this contract was worth $2 billion. I stated the facts. And the facts are, if we get $35.2 million of revenue currently from the airport over 35 years with a 3% inflation rate, we are at $2.1 billion. Mr. Speaker? Yes, uh, Honorable Minister. The Honorable Member's math is just plain bad. That amount of money he's talking about doesn't include the cost of operating the airport. All right? Uh, so, um, you know, he can bandy these numbers all around the place. All right, but I'm not going to let him mislead the House and come up with these gargantuan figures uh, which sound like right, the, thank you, Minister. The, the, the parts of some country. Thank you. Thank you. National product. Thank you, Minister. Mr. Speaker, I hear the chirping of disingenuous. You know what's disingenuous, Mr. Speaker? What's disingenuous is saying that you're going to fuzzy the language in a statement. 
that's disingenuous, Mr. Speaker. What's disingenuous is when you say you're going to use the cover of the CCC on this trip. That's what's disingenuous, Mr. Speaker. I will not stand here and take any lectures from members of that side on the front bench talking about disingenuous, Mr. Speaker. And the Honorable Minister of Finance can say I can make up the numbers much as I want. I will ask him, take out his wonderful surface pro that he has on his desk and do the formula, Mr. Go on, because I know you know finance. Take out your HP-12C, plug it in, see what you get. $35.2 million at a 3% inflation rate over 35 years comes up to $2.12 billion, Mr. Speaker. And if there was no inflation at all, Mr. Speaker, as I said, $1.232 billion. No tender, nothing. Just out of thin air. Oh, we're going to select AECON. Okay. Okay. There we go, Mr. Speaker. That's, that's what we have here. So the people of this country must understand that we are talking about a lot of money. The people of this country must understand that we are talking about the privatization of the airport. The people of this country must understand that we are talking about a concessionary agreement that is going to let someone operate our airport for 35 years, Mr. Speaker. Now, one would think that this government would have examined all of the options before they went forward with this one. But, Mr. Speaker, nope, that is not the case. Budget statements done in February, the end of February. In April, the people from AECON are already emailing CCC, telling them we've been alerted to an opportunity. We figure we alerted them to the opportunity because the Honorable Minister of Finance was on TV last night and said it was their financial advisors. So the government's financial advisors found CCC, or in this case, AECON, because AECON emailed CCC. So the government's financial advisors, who I'm assuming the government's paying, then reached out to someone else, AECON in Canada, who then contacted CCC. Yes, Mr. Speaker, that is the order of which it went. No RFP, no expression of interest, nothing from anyone else. Now, Mr. Speaker, let me proceed, because we know and we now are clear with the facts, because I'm sure if the People's Campaign didn't receive those documents, I'll just be getting up here speaking in hypothetical situations, and I'm certain the Minister of Finance will get up and say, he's misleading the House, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Mr. Speaker, he said that quite a bit, but the fact of the matter is, Mr. Speaker, that most of the items... Mr. Speaker, they don't want to hear it because it's not fuzzy. It's very clear. We know. It is very clear. Uh, I'm going to just say this one more time. If there's any reaction from the gallery, you're going to be asked to leave. Mr. Speaker, A.E. Khan were the originators of this deal. A.E. Khan were in it from the very beginning. A.E. Khan reached out to CCC. A.E. Khan. Mr. Speaker, yes. a point of clarification. Yes. It would help if the honorable member would pronounce the name of that company properly. It's Akon, not A.E. Khan. Akon. All right. I, I thank I thanked the minister because I didn't know that. Akon. Right. Cool. Kind of like the artist, I guess. Yeah. Pardon? <laughs> and as a member behind me said, it is a con. Clearly, that's what it is, Mr. Speaker. It is a con. Members of the gallery, please don't laugh. I want you to stick around. <laughs> Because <laughs> there'll be a few laughs going on. The speaker is laughing, though. But yes, it is a con. Thank you. I don't know. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Minister. I got you. But the ACON are the originators of this deal. They have played the government of Bermuda. And they have played them well, Mr. Speaker. Between saying that it's a cover, creating a paper trail for a due diligence process, making sure that they edited the statements of the minister, making sure they did all of this stuff so that he could tell us that we are getting the best deal. They even spoke about how we need to make sure that we frame language so that people will really realize how good of a deal this is. Mr. Speaker, I have told the Minister of Finance before, I would have no problem with ACON building this airport if ACON was selected after a competitive process if ACON had to compete against someone else, if ACON were actually proven to give the best deal. But there is no such thing. And Mr. Speaker, we have financial structures in place to guarantee that. But let me go forward. 
Because it seems as though if the only person or the only people in this country that do not realize that the government has been played are the members of the government themselves. I mean, some of their own supporters on Facebook are even shocked with what these documents reveal. But, Mr. Speaker, steadfast defense of this deal. It's as though if the minister is so stubborn about the fact that he has been played by Akon that he refuses to admit the fact that he's been played. He's been played by his financial advisors who are clearly playing both sides. Mr. Speaker, one would have thought when the Minister of Finance read these emails and heard the president of ACON Concessions, the president of ACON Concessions say, we have a back channel through CIBC who has advised the government of Bermuda. So we are passing the language on to make sure that we hit all the points that the government of Bermuda wants to hear. If that's not a con, Mr. Speaker, I don't know what it is. But guess what? The Minister of Finance ate it all up. Ate it up completely. And sold it to us like it was the greatest thing ever, Mr. Speaker. Now, not only was he played by CIBC, he was clearly duped by ACON. That, that much is clear. Because we've seen how they have produced documents which they said from the very beginning that they intend to privatize the airports. That they have, and we heard the minister on TV last night talking about no one from AECON reached out to, oh sorry, ACON, no one from ACON reached out to the government before. However, on the documents that I'm reading from the, the, I want to say it was page 9 of the 2,083 pages, it says, from Steve Macon, the president of Acon Concessions, says, Philip Burrill has made contact on our behalf with the airport CEO. Now, Mr. Speaker, one would think that the airport CEO is a little bit involved in the governance of this country. You know, he's the civil servant, he's there. Philip Burrill, who has now passed away, Mr. Speaker, so I don't want to speak too badly about him, but he was the former president of Keyport, which is the operator of the airport in Quito, Ecuador. Guess who owns Keyport, Mr. Speaker? That's right, Akon. So their employee went to the government and made contact with the government, but yet the Minister of Finance says, oh no, nobody spoke to us before that meeting. As I said, Mr. Speaker, he has been played. We have been played. We are the ones that look silly. These documents should upset all of us, but at the very basis, it should at least have, one would think, at least one member of that side would have the conscience to say, you know what? I don't think this is the best that we can get. I think that we should ask for some other deals to come in. Yes, Mr. Speaker. Now, let me move on. Because we've seen that this privatization deal has been tainted from the start. But I want to get into some more specifics. Because the specifics of which I've heard from the Minister of Finance over the past few weeks and past few months is a minister who used to rail, a member who used to rail against sole sourcing, who used to rail against the lack of a tender process, all of a sudden has become the biggest supporter of bypassing the RFP process. He's like the cheerleader for bypassing the RFP process. He gets up and says, oh, you don't need an RFP because we've had a bad history of RFPs, Mr. Speaker. The bad history was not because of the RFP process. That's not the bad history. The bad history was because of a bad RFP process and bad construction management. But guess what, Mr. Speaker? We've recognized that is a problem and a shortfall. So what did we do? We passed this thing in 2011 called the Good Governance Act. And the Good Governance Act established the Office of Project Management and Procurement. Huh, what a novel idea. Why, Mr. Speaker? Because you want experts in the field of procurement and experts in the field of project management to oversee your capital projects to make sure that you are not exposed to the risks of overruns. The lack of an RFP process does not mean that you won't have overruns, as the Minister of Finance has tried to sell us. And the fact that you have an RFP process does not mean that you will have overruns. 
He's trying to make something equal, and they are not equal. Good construction management makes sure that you don't have overruns. Good procurement makes sure that you don't have overruns. Specifying everything in advance and making sure you know what you're dealing with makes sure you don't have overruns. Now, Mr. Speaker, guess what? That's exactly what ACON is doing right now. But here's the thing, Mr. Speaker. We're not competing against anyone else. They don't have to worry. They can pat a 10 million here, pat a 10 million there, pat a 10 million anywhere, and no one would know the difference, Mr. Speaker. That, Mr. Speaker, is a challenge. And we hear this thing about an independent construction firm will validate the numbers. Well, Mr. Speaker, anyone can validate the numbers. But the fact of the matter is, how do you know that you couldn't have gotten a better deal? So, I will then move on, because I'll read from a report um, from PwC, and this was Sir Michael Lathan when talking about risk, risk management, the commercial imperative. And it said, and I quote Mr. Speaker, no construction project is risk-free. Risk can be managed, minimized, shared, transferred, or accepted. It cannot be ignored. What we are speaking about, Mr. Speaker, when we are talking about the risk of overruns, that risk of overruns is a risk that can be managed with proper management practices, Mr. Speaker. And, Mr. Speaker, you cannot tell me that the risk capital of the world, which is what the Honorable Minister of Finance was just is telling everyone, cannot manage a construction project. We cannot, we do not have the experts on construction risk here in Bermuda to ensure that we do not run over on this project, Mr. Speaker. It is a falsehood because the fact is that not having an RFP does not mean that there's not going to be overruns. In the exact same way as having an RFP doesn't mean that there will be overruns, Mr. Speaker. So I want to make that point very clear. But then, because there's so many changes that the minister has gone through. I mean, he's gone from the defender of, you know, we heard in the Wonder Reader Alliance talking about, oh, we're going to have a contractor general that's going to look over things. And now, Mr. Speaker, he doesn't even accept the advice of the Office of Project Management Procurement. Because the Office of Project Management Procurement didn't sign off on this deal. They have not given their approval for this deal. They haven't. And every single time the Minister of Finance is asked whether or not the Office of Project Management Procurement signed off this deal, you know what he says, Mr. Speaker? We did not need to consult them. Okay, so let me get this straight. Good Governance Act puts in place the Office of Project Management Procurement to prevent bad procurement from happening inside of government. The Minister of Finance, who's been the Minister of Finance for, I want to say, maybe 28, 29 months now, in 29 months, has not put in place the Office of Project Management Procurement. Because in order to give effect, all the Minister of Finance has to do is to table the code of management for the code of practice for procurement. But he hasn't. And Mr. Speaker, I wonder why. It's probably because he doesn't want to listen to what the Office of Project Management Procurement has to say. It's probably why we know that there's at least 50 times that under this government, they have bypassed the tender process. Fifty times we've asked questions in Parliament, and we can't even get the answers from the Minister of Finance. For two and a half months, Mr. Speaker, it is taking the Ministry of Finance two and a half months to produce a list of all the projects that have not gone out to tender. However, it only took the Accountant General one day to approve this deal not going out to tender? Come on, Mr. Speaker, something doesn't sound right. Now, as I said, the Honorable Minister of Finance seems to be a chameleon. Because now, in addition to talking about how he, you know, he doesn't want, how he doesn't um, need a tender process, in the past, he has spoken lyrically about PPPs. And let me say what he says. And I quote Mr. Speaker from 2011. Mr. Speaker, and this is Minister Richards, there is no such thing as a free lunch. The private partner will not likely have a high credit rating as the Bermuda government, although that might not be the truth now because we know we've seen countless downgrades under the One Bermuda Alliance. But therefore, the financing is bound to be more expensive than if government borrowed the money itself. 
today with the credit markets demanding huge extra interest for incremental risk, this extra finance cost will be very significant. Even if the private partner were highly rated, that entity would not be renting their balance sheet to Remuda for free. And he ends with this statement. So, PPPs generally add extra costs. So, Minister of Finance says he's concerned about the budget deficit. Minister of Finance says he's concerned about debt. Minister of Finance moves forward with a PPP project, which his own words admit add extra costs. No tender, no expression of interest, not even ask a few people, oh, wouldn't you be interested in this? Nothing, Mr. Speaker. Just one person who at the very beginning came to the Minister of Finance. Mr. Speaker, it is not right. It doesn't make sense. And the Minister of Finance should explain why he's changed his mind. Why has he now signed off on something that his own words admit will cost the Romanian people more money? Now, let me go on to another thing, Mr. Speaker, because the Honorable Minister of Finance seems to want to, how do I put it, redefine the meanings of words. That's what he does, Mr. Speaker, because if a word doesn't mean what he wants to mean, he just changes the definition. It's kind of this whole fuzzy thing. Because we know what privatization is. Everybody knows what privatization is. I mean, we're not even dealing with Acon, the construction company. We're dealing with Acon concessions. Mr. Speaker, I will read again for the House what a concessionary contract is, because I think that it is very, very, very important that we understand what we are speaking about when we're talking about a concessionary contract. I'm going to have to find my notes, Mr. Speaker. One second. Because, Mr. Speaker, the concessionary contracts, as they're defined by the University of Westminster, are concessionary agreements are privatization. They're just another way of saying it. The Minister of Finance is so quick to say that, oh, but we're not selling the airport, so it's not privatization. That's fine, Mr. Speaker, but we are privatizing the airport operation. Where have I heard that before, Mr. Speaker? Ah, yes. The very first email from the president of, uh, not the president of Acon Concessions, let me get it right, the very first email that was in the document trail said, and I quote, Mr. Speaker, I received a call from Steve McCann of Acon yesterday. They have identified a potential opportunity for substantial redevelopment in Bermuda. Project will be similar to the Cayman Islands. Intent is to privatize the airport operation. Now, I would think that a company that is a concession company, which privatizes government assets for a living, which privatizes government operations for a living, knows what privatization is, Mr. Speaker. But here we have the Minister of Finance attempting to redefine what privatization is. And he's saying, no, this is not privatization. Mr. Speaker, the concessionary agreement will have a con running our airports or whatever company they set up here locally. But that's what will happen, Mr. Speaker. We will have a private company in charge of the operations and management of our airport. And not only the terminal building itself, Mr. Speaker, but buildings around the airports. Yes, Mr. Speaker, you heard me correctly, because there are currently people right now who are looking to extend the lease of the airport, and you know what they're being told? Oh, you have to wait for this privatization deal to go through. So, even now, we hear, oh, it's just a terminal, and the land will continue to belong to the government of Rita. But now, we now find out that there are things at the airport that do with other buildings that aren't even the main terminal building, which will get wrapped up into this deal. That's what it is, Mr. Speaker. So, as much as the minister wants to get up and say, this is not privatization, everybody knows this is privatization, and the minister's own words are impeached by the very partners that he wants to sign up. That's it. He wants to convince us. He wants to pull a con on us that a con is not going to privatize our airport. Well, Mr. Speaker, nobody's buying it. And the documents prove
prove it for themselves. No, I'm sure someone else made that point. So, Mr. Speaker, and it even gets better because I think it's amazing that the minister will say that this is not privatization when the very lawyer which the Ministry of Finance has hired, Mr. Duncan Card, specializes in privatization. That's what he does. That is the very basis of what he does, Mr. Speaker. If you look at his resume, it's a very impressive resume, very impressive reading, but he teaches privatization. Like, it's not someone who just knows it, it's someone who teaches it. So he's advising the government of Bermuda. The CIBC, who I'm assuming also advised the government of Bermuda, who reached out to ACON, in saying that we're going to prioritize the operation, and the Minister of Finance, even with the evidence everyone else sees and everyone else knows, is still saying, no, we're not going to privatize it. Okay, that's fine. But here's the thing, Mr. Speaker. The only people that believe him are the 19 members on his side. Because the people outside don't believe him. The 75% of the public who are opposed to this don't believe him. And not even the vendors who he's contracting with believe him. The only people, and we heard the minister say that this, this honorable member likes to make things up, the only one who's making something up right now, Mr. Speaker, is the minister, because we all know that this is privatization. Now, let's go on to the task, one of the major things, which is even before we talk about, before we talk about, I would say, the need for the procurement process is the fact that the Minister of Finance has misled the people of this country and misled this Parliament. Now, Mr. Speaker, let's start with the first and most infamous quotes that the Minister of Finance says, I fuzzied up the no new debt parts. And the Minister of Finance has spent the last two days attempting to explain what he meant by fuzzy and saying that fuzzy is a financial term and fuzzy this and fuzzy that. Fuzzy is when you don't know. Fuzzy is when you're making it up. Fuzzy is when you're attempting to make something look like what it's not. When you say fuzzied up the no new debt part, that means that you wanted to say that there's no new debt, but Deep in your hearts, you know that there may be new debts. And that's why you fuzzy up the language. Now, Mr. Speaker, the very fact that the minister is caught saying that in the email should prove to everyone that the minister has no compunction over attempting to mislead or pull the wool over the people's eyes. Because the people can see it for themselves. We talk about fuzzied up the debt part. Come on, Mr. Speaker. We should be better than that. Now, I'll ask the minister, and I hope he will tell us, because he said he fuzzed up the no-new debt part. So what is it? What is the no-new debt part? What, what are we actually getting insofar as debt? Because if you had to fuzzy it up, that means that maybe you're expecting that there will be something. Now, Mr. Speaker, the next thing that the minister has been misleading to the people of this country is the minister knew that ACON was the developer and concessionaire all along. Point of order, Mr. Speaker. The Honorable Member is misleading the House. That statement is blatantly false. I have said it all along, and it is true. So he should not be allowed to say what I knew all along. He has no clue what I knew all along. Uh, I can tell you what I knew all along, so he is misleading the House. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Mr. Speaker. I watch TV, like a whole lot of people watched TV last night. And I heard the Minister of Finance say that when he went to this meeting on June the 4th, ACON was there, and at that point in time, he knew they were the developer. That's what happened. And if the Minister says that he never met ACON before June 4th, then that would mean that since the very beginning, he knew they were the developer, Mr. Speaker. His own words impeach it. So the fact that he comes to Parliament, the fact that he said, and I quote, Mr. Speaker, and I quote, this is on November 28th, statement of this House says, from the Minister of Finance, the CCC alternative, while protecting the principles of transparency and value for money, will allow the sourcing of 
competitively selected vendors through the internationally acclaimed and trusted resources of CCC. Mr. Speaker, how could the Honorable Minister of Finance come to this House and say that CCC would competitively select the vendor on November 28th, when on June 4th, he knew who the vendor was? How is that possible, Mr. Speaker? How is that possible, Mr. Speaker? Yes, Mr. Yes, Member is misleading the House. Uh, when I went to that meeting on June 4th, I went to make, meet CCC. Akon was there, as I said, publicly. Uh, it doesn't mean that that's when everything started. Things started before I got to that meeting. And I will explain that when I speak. Right, I've already you. explained that to the Bermudian public. Thank you, The Honorable yeah. Gentleman is misleading the House. Uh, the Honorable Minister. The Honorable Minister. Yeah. If he did not know about ACON, the first thing he would have been asking at that meeting, why are they here? Why are they here? Who uh, are they? Uh, thank you, Honorable Member. Thank you, Honorable you have a, a and how, the, how does the Honorable Member know that I didn't ask that? He uh, wasn't there. All right, thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, Honorable we're, we're not. Uh, I understand you. What's your point of order? What's your point of order? He's misleading the House again. Because by that very comment, he's denying that he didn't know. And he has I, to know. I, I thank you. I thank you, Honorable Member. Tell you on Mr. Speaker, I'm just shocked. Because the Honorable Minister just said that things were going on before that. Well, here's what I do know. I do know that there were direct communications between the government of Bermuda and ACON before November 28th, Mr. Minister. I do know that because the documents prove that, that there were direct communications. And I am certain that the minister knew when he made his announcement on November 10th that ACON were the contractor. So why did he attempt to wrap us in this ruse that CCC would somehow be engaging in some competitive process? So we would actually think that, okay, maybe there's some RFP going on with them. Maybe they're going to do it. Maybe they're going to make sure that we get the best deal. Nonsense, Mr. Speaker. The very fact that he said, and I quote again, will allow the sourcing of competitively selected vendors through the internationally acclaimed and trusted resources CCC to this House was false. He misled Parliament, Mr. Speaker. Then he goes on another time. This was unprompted during the budget reply debate. And he said, and I quote, the point is this. The Bermuda government did not choose AECON. CCC chose AECON, not through the government. Well, guess what, Mr. Speaker? No. CCC didn't choose AECON. AECON picked CCC. Yeah. AECON picked CCC. Let's be clear. That's the way that it went. Ah, I'm not accusing uh, you. Yes, I'm going to just... Honorable yes. misleading the House. That is sheer rubbish. How can a private company choose a government company? It is the C... Sit down, I'm not finished. I remember, I remember. The speaker is the only one who... This process, this model, this whole setup is a CCC setup. So anybody who's any private company that works within this model has to be, by definition, selected by CCC because it is their model and it is their whole setup. So when I answer that question, I answer that question truthfully and accurately. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. Mr. Speaker. Yes, Karen. You see, the minister does protest too much. I didn't say the minister misled on that particular statement. All I said was CCC did not choose AECON or ACON. ACON chose CCC. Does the minister want me to read from the notes? I let me help. From the people at CCC, can you confirm that ACON brought us this project? We just want to avoid any language that might give the impression we are out shopping for a Canadian supplier through the work. Response, yes, ACON brought this project to CCC. That was last winter when we first saw the Minister of Finance from Bermuda in the office of ACON. We now heard that it wasn't winter, it wasn't ACON. But the fact of the matter is, Mr. Speaker, is that the documents prove the first email says that we've been alerted. 
We know that ACON was the originator of this deal. The only person in this country that doesn't believe that ACON was the originator of this deal is the Minister of Finance. Point of order. It has to be. Point of order. Yes, the yes. question that I was asked and the question that I answered was whether ACON was chosen by CCC or whether CCC, uh, whether CCC chose ACON or the reverse. And I said that CCC chose ACON. I did not comment on, and quite frankly, at that time, I did not know <clears throat> that uh, ACON had had any contact with CCC before they met me. But the fact is, it didn't matter whether or not they had conversations with CCC before they met me. Ultimately, because it is CCC's uh, project uh, and it is you. their model, CCC has to choose them. Uh, thank you. Thank which you, is what Mr. I said. Uh, thank you. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker. Yes. I, I would hope that when the minister gets up to give a point of order, he actually says, well, I'm misleading, because I wasn't misleading. I'm just reading the documentation as it's presented to us. And the fact that the minister of finance would say that at that time, I didn't know that there was contact before, but now when he finds out that there was contact before, that he's okay with the deal. That's the part that should concern everyone. That there was collusion in advance. And the, okay, it's okay because I'm so stubborn that I want to make sure this deal goes through. Okay, Mr. Speaker. Uh, uh, Mr. Speaker, here's the thing. And just to correct the minister's memory, there was no question asked when you gave that response, Mr. Mr. Minister. You just volunteered it during your thing. There was no question. Okay. Uh, our members, let's, let's not, Thank we're not, you. We're not because, because as you know, Mr. Speaker, I have all the hand saws right here. There was no question. He was giving a response on the budget reply. Anyhow, Mr. Speaker, let me go forward. Because then the next thing that the minister said is on November 14th, he said, and I quote, secondly, the idea that somehow the OBA is going to privatize the airport is also rubbish. All right? It's also rubbish. Now, I don't need to go back over the privatization argument, Mr. Speaker, because the documents show that that was the intent from the start. Now, Mr. Speaker, let's talk about another time where the minister misled Parliament. Here's what he said, and it's all tied up. Because the minister of finance said, a question was asked, very simple. Can the honorable minister inform this honorable chamber when did his cabinet give him the approval to engage CCC and sign an agreement and the MOU? Minister Richard says, and I quote, I cannot tell you exactly what peaked. But certainly cabinet was kept fully up to date as things progress. We've been talking about this deal now before May. So cabinet has been apprised. They have approved everything we have done. End quote. Okay. Okay, let's go. Then another question, supplementary said, and I quote, was there approval before or after the minister signed or concluded the MOU with CCC? the minister's response clearly before. Okay. He said it, said it two times now, by the way. Another question goes to the Minister of Finance. Can the Honorable Minister of Finance confirm that the letter of entrustment was received prior to cabinet approving the prior to cabinet approving the government to engage a memorandum of understanding with the Cadian Commercial Corporation? The minister responds, the minister responds and says, no. The sequence of events was as follows. There was a cabinet conclusion to approve the signing of the MOU in July. Wow. Mr. Speaker, the MOU wasn't even finalized until November. How could there be approval to sign an MOU in July? We see that the minister was asking if you would get a copy of the revised MOU before a cup match. And I know when cup match is, Mr. Speaker. That happens to be in July sometimes in August, but July. So, three times the minister has said this, the fourth time. Another question, Mr. Speaker, will the Minister of Finance kindly confirm whether approval from the Accountant General was received before the cabinet approval? He responds, yes, I think so. I do not remember the exact dates, but I think so, yes. 
Okay, now here's the thing, Mr. Speaker. All those statements are proven that the minister has misled Parliament. And why do I say that, Mr. Speaker? I say that because the documents revealed that the approval was not given before. And I'll read from the emails. Thursday, November 13th, I'm on page 1,625 for anyone who can find the page that fast. And it says, it's from Anthony Mendes, the financial secretary, dated Thursday, November 13th, 2014, and it says, and I quote, Cabinet will give its formal approval for the MOU and LOA next week when the minister is back from business on Friday. That was on November 13th. So next week would be a point in time in the future. So the MOU was signed before cabinet approval, and the documents prove it. And, and cabinet certainly couldn't give an approval for it in July because the MOU wasn't received until after then. What's even more, Mr. Speaker, is that the Minister of Finance says that in his response when talking about whether or not the Accountant General received, gave approval before cabinet approval, he says, yes, I think so. I do not remember the exact date, but I think so, yes. But here's the thing, Mr. Speaker, even if the minister is correct, and even if the cabinet approved it in July, which we know that they did not because the financial secretary, a civil servant, isn't going to make things up, even if he said that the approval was referring to order. I'm misleading the House. Yes, I'm uh, The honorable member is misleading the House and clearly doesn't know how cabinet works. Uh, <laughs> the the approval that the financial secretary was talking about was the formal approval of the having been negotiated MOU. We got a draft MOU in June and we worked on it all through the summer. It got changed many times and in each case uh, it went to cabinet and we apprised them and they approved right, thank it. You, thank so you. that's the misconception uh, that's happening here. Thank you. I think that that, that clears up what you said. Interesting, Mr. Speaker. So I'm guessing that cabinet conclusion said that the Minister of Finance can make any modifications that he wishes for the memorandum of understanding prior to its signing. I'm sure it did not, Mr. Speaker. I'm sure it didn't. Because that's not the way that cabinet works. Okay? That's not the way that cabinet works. Well, there's a whole lot of people on this side that, that but I'll tell you who does know how cabinet works. The financial secretary knows how cabinet works. And the financial secretary made it clear that the MOU was not approved prior to the signing. It makes it so clear the MOU was not approved prior to the signing that the financial secretary said, I will send you a copy of the signed MOU after cabinet approves it. And CCC writes back and says, oh, but we already have it in English and French because the minister signed it already. Whoa. Now, Mr. Speaker, even if, as I said, even if, even if, as the minister says, he says that he got approval from the accountant general before. So if cabinet approved it in July, how come the approval to the sole source didn't come from the accountant general until September? You can't have it both ways, Minister of Finance. You can't, don't see? The Minister of Finance says, yes, you can. Well, clearly, Mr. Speaker, when he gets up, he can tell the people of this country why he's misled them. But we can see inside of this parliament, and he's impeached by his very own financial secretary, who is a top civil servant, who is not going to make facts and loose with the facts. He's not going to fuzzy up any language in an email. He's not going to, is going to start how it is, Mr. Speaker. So now we know that the minister not only misled the people of this country thinking that we're going to have some competitive bidding process, but also misled Parliament and gave false information to Parliament, Mr. Speaker. That's what we hear. Then we hear all these stories on entrustment. And how many times has the Minister of Finance said, can I get some water, please? How many times has the Minister of Finance said that? The UK government and I, uh, we're now on the same page, and we know how we're moving ahead. Yeah. Mr. Cox, you want to get the numbers some water, please? We, we've heard that so many times. But now, as recently as yesterday, we now hear that the UK is the holdup. How many times have we heard that we've worked out a way to go forward? And there doesn't seem to be a way to go forward, Mr. Speaker. And here's the thing. The thing is that why are, that we heard last night 
that the Minister of Finance does not agree to the terms of the letter of entrustment. The only terms of the letter of entrustment that I can possibly imagine are controversial are, guess what? The terms that say you should have a competitive process. Amen. So here we have the Minister of Finance. Point of order. Yes, the Honorable Members, Ms. Lee in the House, he just made that up. He has no idea. They 
now have, sorry, ACON's representative reaches out to the government of Bermuda and the general manager of the airports, and intermediary of ACON reaches out to the Minister of Finance, and the Minister of Finance so liked what he heard, he began shopping the idea around government, and this is an amazing quote from the documents, Mr. Speaker. The quote reads as follows. He said it is within his power as minister to put aside the typical competitive procurement process. Wow, Mr. Speaker. So where, where is that power found? Curious, because I know it's on financial instructions. And I know it's on the Good Governance Act. I know it's on the, off the Code of Conduct for Procurement. Where does that power come from? Why does the Minister of Finance seem to think that he and only he can make the best decisions for this country, and he and only he can bypass the rules and protections that are in place to make sure that this country gets the best deal? Mr. Speaker, I happen to, as Shadow Minister of Finance, chair the Public Accounts Committee. And in the Public Accounts Committee, we are charged with investigating process and making sure that we clarify and making sure that processes are followed. I don't believe in any way, shape, or form that processes have been followed correctly here. We are here to say that this House does not approve of the way this project has been handled before. Now, Mr. Speaker, that is not to say that this is not about jobs. That is not to say, because clearly the minister thought that he would be at his go-no-go -no -go date in December, and now he's pushing this far forward. I mean, if the minister of finance might even humble himself, you know, might practice a little bit of humility, tone down the arrogance just a little bit, stop, stop, stop all the anger, and just say, well, I've been working at this for a year. I haven't gotten anywhere. The UK doesn't seem to want it. 75% of the people are opposed to it. Maybe I might want to change my approach. Maybe I might want to, I don't know, have a Swiss challenge so that there could be a competitive process at the end to make sure Bermuda's getting the best deal. Maybe I want to, even while we're engaged in this deal with um, ACON, maybe we want to ask other people who have expressed an interest in the airport. There was an email, there was an email inside of um, these long stream of documents, Mr. Speaker, from a company that had built numerous airports in Canada, from a company that had done work in Bermuda and wrote to CCC and expressed surprise at the fact that an MOU had been signed for this project. So here's a reputable Canadian company that had worked with CCC before, didn't even know that anything was going on. Nothing. That's what we have here, Mr. Speaker. That's what it is. Now, if the members on this side, on that side of the House, are going to stand up today and oppose this motion, if they're going to stand up today and attempt to water down this motion and turn it to a tape note motion so they don't have a vote in this House on this, it would be an abdication of their responsibilities because they should have the courage of their convictions to stand to their feet and say, we believe that our airport operation should be privatized for 35 years without a tender, without a competitive process. We believe that should happen. They should have it within them, the members of the Public Accounts Committee, the members who knocked on doorsteps and banged on doors, who ran ad after ad after ad, talking about how we're going to have the highest standards of transparency, the highest standards of ethics. We're going to implement a contractor general so that we can make sure that contracts are handled in the right way. Mr. Speaker, that was two and a half years ago. Have they forgotten their pledges in the last two and a half years? Have the members on that side gone silent and quiet? In the last debate, we heard this thing about, oh, well, why don't the members on that side get up? And at least one of them, I challenge one of them. I challenge the member from constituency number 20 who sits on the Public Accounts Committee, who speaks about things in such a forceful manner, to get up and say, we should not be sole source in this project. I challenge the member from constituency 14 who sits on the Public Accounts Committee, who, he, who, was, who doesn't like 
when things aren't tendered, to get up and talk about how we oppose this project. The member for Constituent 28, who has made a lot of noise on how things at Port Royal were not tendered, to get up and say, we should be doing things the right way all the time. Yes, Mr. Speaker. And the honorable member for Constituent Number 8, who's been on the Public Accounts Committee meeting for a very long time, will get up and say, this is not the way we should do business. Mr. Speaker, it is my hope that today, when we have a vote on this project, this House will send a clear message to the Minister of Finance, and the members of the Rumble Media Alliance will listen to the 75% of the reading public who do not like the way this deal has been handled thus far, to say, we do not believe that we should go forward without an RFP, we do not believe that there should be a sales source project, and the Minister should inject some competition in this project to ensure that 35 years of revenue from our airport that could exceed $2 billion does not go without a bid or a competitive process. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Any other member uh, care to speak? Uh, and the chair uh, recognizes the... Uh,